Welcome to the Robcast. If you dig this, subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash robshow. Follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash robshowtv. And keep up to date with all things Rob Show on social, The Rob Show, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And now for your listening pleasure, today's Robcast. Joining me on the phone, you've seen him on Tough Crowd with Colin Quinn. He was part of the Axis of Evil comedy tour with Maz Jabroni. He's been on Punked. He's been on pretty much everywhere. I mean, even, uh, God, what was the TV show on TBS? Sullivan and Sons. Ahmed, uh, are you there? Yes, hey, Rob, how are you? Good, how are you? So you were on Sullivan and Sons, correct? I was on TBS. We had three seasons. You were on that for all three seasons and then they canceled it? Yeah, a new president came in and cleared the slate and started from scratch. There's a certain amount of episodes where you then become syndicated. Were you guys close to that threshold at three seasons? <laughs> we were getting there, and then we were. That's why we were bummed because we didn't go into syndication. I think you have to shoot like uh, sixty episodes these days, and that gets that gets you syndication. Maybe sixty-five. So we were about thirty-five episodes in, and then they pulled the plug. Oh, so halfway. And once that syndication money comes, then you're set for a little bit. Right. So now, uh, you know, waiting to get on the next show. Now, Ahmed, you've been a comedian for how many years? Uh, over 20. Over 20. You've seen the world. You've traveled the world. As I mentioned earlier, you were part of the Axis of Evil comedy tour with Maz Jabroni. So you guys have been all over the world. And you were in Naples this past weekend at Off the Hook Comedy Club, correct? That's correct. I was at Off the Hook Comedy Club in Naples, Florida, Friday, two shows Saturday, and then one uh, Sunday for Mother's Day. And was Mother's Day the Sunday show, the one where 911 was called? No. So what happened was... We had two shows on Saturday, an early show and a later show. Apparently, somebody from one of the shows called 911 uh, because they felt that one of my jokes was, was a threat to their life. The funny thing is, is they didn't call 911 right away. They went home, they went to sleep, they woke up in the morning, and then they decided to call. So they... It wasn't really an emergency. <laughs> no, not at all. So you tell the joke Saturday night early show. You do Saturday night late show. Everything's fine. You go back to the hotel. You go to bed. You wake up Sunday morning. Everything's fine until you show up at the club Sunday night. Yeah, so I show up at the club. Uh, I get there a little early. I'm sitting in the back of the room just looking over my notes. The show's about to start, and then uh, the manager comes up to me very you know, quietly and politely, and he was like, hey, man, sorry to bother you, but... Two Naples police officers are outside. They want to talk to you. Apparently, you did a joke last night that um, somebody called 911 on because they felt like their lives were threatened. And I was like, are you joking? He's like, no, man. And I looked outside, and sure enough, two fully you know, uniformed Naples police officers were out there. So I walked outside. I was like, hi, officers. You know, how can I help you? They were like, yeah, you know, we're just responding to a 911 call over a joke you made last night that, uh, you know, people, somebody felt threatened by. And I was like, oh, well, this is a first. And they said, yeah, it's a first for us, too. And I said, well, what was the joke? And they said there wasn't a specific, you know, answer to the joke as to what it was. But they said one of the things that you said scared the person so much that they, they felt like their lives were, were threatened. And they couldn't even tell you the actual joke that the person called about because the person didn't know the actual joke or the cops didn't know. I don't think the cops knew the specifics. And I also asked if I can get the 911, you know, a recording of the 911 call. They said, no, but you can call the police department and request a, uh, a transcript. 
I got to be honest, that's what I'm going to work on tomorrow is trying to track down that 911 call because I would love to hear what somebody has to say. Scared them so much they had to call 911 <laughs> 12 hours later. Yeah, man, me too. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, it was baffling to me. And, uh, and it's interesting because, you know, the crowds were awesome. The club is great. Um, I had, you know, 90-year-old white women in walkers coming up to me after my shows, asking me for a picture and, and a hug and telling me how funny I was and that kind of thing. So I'm just kind of, I guess, curious as to know who did it and what made somebody so afraid of, of something that I said. Now, do you have any idea, like, is there anything in your act that could, like, that stands out to you that goes, well, that was definitely, that could have been what it was? Or It could have been. I, I do this little bit where I say, uh, any Middle Eastern people in the room, and then, you know, sometimes nobody claps or sometimes one or two people clap. And then I say, hey, it only takes one of us. It always gets a huge laugh. Yeah. And it also gets a little bit of like a, a fearful laugh. And then I say to tell a joke. It only takes one Middle Eastern person to tell a joke. <laughs> that, so that could have been the one. Naples is an older, uptight, rich, white city. It's a lot of sticks yeah. in the mud. But I've look, I'm a comedian too. I've been off the hook plenty of times, and I've never had a bad experience. The audiences that always show up to that club are there to laugh and there to enjoy themselves. I can't imagine somebody walking out and going, oh, I'm so offended, I'm going to call 911 tomorrow. Well, I don't think it's so much that they were offended. I think they were, like, legit you know, afraid. And, and here's here's why I think why. They live in Naples. They probably never leave Naples. Um, they're very accustomed to the kind of bubble they live in. They're sitting in their living room watching CNN and Fox News and, you know, how we need to make America great again. And Donald Trump spewing all his, you know, rhetoric and, and you know, fear-based, you know, not facts. And so when you're sitting there watching this stuff over and over and over, it's easy to see somebody from a different color or race and because you have that brainwashed fear instilled in you to to express and show that fear i mean you know in hindsight looking looking back on it it's really ridiculous but i can understand you know growing up in america i can understand why um you know something like this may have happened during these specific times i mean you know right now comedy's become you're a comic so you know it's become so pc you can't say anything without offending or scaring somebody. And the funny thing was, is last night after this incident happened, I went up on stage and I told the audience what just happened to me. And they all asked what you asked. What was the joke? And I said, I don't know, but let me go through my set list with you. And you guys can tell me if you're offended or afraid. So just let's all pick a safe word. Our safe word is Pikachu. So when you hear something that's threatening, just raise your hand and yell out Pikachu and I'll, I'll note it. So then I start going through my jokes one by one, and after each joke and laughs, I said, anybody threatened? No. Collectively, no. Great. Next joke. Get a laugh. Anybody threatened? No. I did this literally joke for joke for the first probably 35 minutes of my set. And then I just did a little bit of crowd work, and I talked about how, like, you know, back in the day, you know, if people go back and watch Eddie Murphy Delirious in his red leather suit, do you remember that special yep. Delirious? I mean, the stuff that was coming out of his mouth back then compared to what's coming out of comics' mouths these days is incomparable. So, you know, it's, our society, uh, I think, needs to loosen up a little bit. I, I understand that there's a you know, fear factor happening in America, but, you know, do your work and do your investigation and do your research before you, like, waste everybody's time. I mean, you're wasting two hardworking police officers' time 
to have to come down to a comedy club and like question a comic serious yeah over a joke and over a joke it it's is not like i threatened anybody physically i didn't get in an argument it wasn't that kind of thing it was literally somebody left the show and they felt cheerful for their lives it is the age of outrage it's where people just get upset to be upset about things how has comedy changed for you outside of this incident in the past three years since trump got elected have you felt tension when you get on stage in front of a primarily white crowd like naples florida well this is the first time that um i've been touring the u.s since he became elected okay um right Right before he uh, was elected, I moved to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. I got a uh, job offer to work as a producer there for an events company called LOL Events. So we produced comedy specials, and they hired me on to come on as more of like a content producer, film and television and stuff like that. Okay. And then I go and I do stand-up comedy at night and on the weekends. But I wrote this new hour of material about living in Asia, and I wanted to shoot my, my next special but I wanted to make sure that it worked in the U.S. before I came back to Malaysia to shoot it. Okay. So I, so I, I you know, I, I scheduled a three-month tour around, you know, like 15 major cities around the U.S. And, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm halfway through my tour, and, and the material's going really well. And so I really, you know, haven't been in the U.S. This is my first time back. So the last month and a half for me uh, has been interesting. But, you know, the good news is I'm not even doing any Trump jokes. I don't have any political jokes. I barely talk about being from the Middle East. It's mostly like Asia-oriented material and being, you know, 48 years old. That's what I'm talking about these days. So, uh, you know, the fact that somebody, you know, wanted to send me a message, uh, you know, to like let me know, hey, you know, you're not welcome or whatever the case. It's, 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 you know, it's insulting and it's and it's humorous at the same time. Ahmed Ahmed is joining us on the phone. Where can people find your work, Ahmed? My website is AhmedAhmed.com, A-H-M-E-D, uh, twice.com. My uh, Instagram is at Ahmed Comedy, so is my Twitter. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I haven't really been posting much new material up yet because I'm reserving it for my special, but I have tons of stuff on my website. If you go on YouTube, you can find me. And, you know, I'll be uh, touring around uh, some other major cities in the U.S., for the next couple of weeks before I head back to Malaysia. So if you go on my website, check out what city I'm in. Don't call the police. <laughs> and uh, Where, we'll uh, have a good laugh. couple quick questions for you before I let you go. Uh, Ahmed okay. Ahmed joining us on the phone. Find everything AhmedAhmed.com. You can find everything socially at Ahmed Comedy. When do you film the special in Malaysia? Do you have a date set? Uh, we I've kind of benchmarked a date uh, for uh, October 19th. So that's what we're looking at. Yeah. So you film it October nineteenth, then you got to go back and post and all that nonsense. How long until the special will actually be out? And do you have a home for it yet? No, I'm I'm shooting it so I can own it, and then once it's done, I'll go out and hopefully shop it around, and we'll see where it lands. You know, maybe maybe Netflix, maybe Hulu, maybe Amazon, maybe HBO. You know, I, I don't know yet. We just want to make it, get it right, get the material polished shoot a good special, and then hopefully if it's good enough, you know, it'll be undeniable. Is that the new way to do it, is to go out, film the special yourself, fund everything yourself, then turn it around and shop it to a network or a Netflix or a Hulu? That's certainly one way to go. I mean, it depends kind of what circles you're running in and what sort of rep, you know reps you have that are, you know, um, uh, you know championing the, the project that you're doing. You know, right now I don't have an agent <clears throat> in uh, – in the States or a manager. So I'm kind of just self hustling on my own, my own stuff. But, um, 
you know, for me, I'd rather shoot it and own it and then go try to sell it. Uh, but hey, if Netflix or some big, you know, distribution platform wants to come on board and co-produce with me, I'll happily say yes. Ahmed Ahmed joining us. Keep an eye out for a special. Do you have a name for it yet? Oriental Pharaoh. Oriental Pharaoh. I like it. Oriental <laughs> Pharaoh. It'll be shooting in Malaysia in October. It's slated to come out, I guess, late 2018, early 2019. Find everything Ahmed Ahmed online, AhmedAhmed.com, on social media, at Ahmed Comedy. Ahmed, good luck with the special, man. I know it's a lot of work. How long does it take you to write all of the material? I mean, you were in Malaysia for the three years, but how long have you been working? Like, from the time that you picked up the pen and wrote the first joke until you filmed the special, how long did it take? you to prepare for this just over a year i mean i've only been in malaysia for a year but um i found a little comedy club right there in uh, kuala lumpur where i would go every tuesday night in front of 10 people with my notebook and just literally just muscle through the jokes and you know get very you know uh, sporadic laughter and that kind of thing. So, Is it weird um, for you to go from arenas, because you were doing arenas when you were doing the Axis of Evil comedy tour, from going big stages like that to being in front of 10 people in uh, Quad <laughs> Is it weird? Like, is there a weird transition? Um, you know, for me, a show is a show, whether it's 10 people or 1,000 people, you know. Uh, I try to treat every show the same. So, you know, um, for me, I just treat them all the same, whatever, whatever size crowd works for me. Sometimes you get the best material from these smaller crowds and, you know, you can kind of manage it. You can manage the jokes a little bit better as opposed to a big audience where you really have to kind of, you know, go big or go home. You know, it's, it's not an easy feat for any comic. Quick question, and I, it'll sound ignorant and I apologize. What language do they speak in Malaysia? They speak Bahasa. Are you fluent in Bahasa? No, I don't speak Bahasa at all. I, uh, I'm just English speaking. I'll do all my jokes in English and in Malaysia. You know, it's a very English-speaking country, and uh, they get it. So so the people that come to the shows, they speak somewhat English, and then they watch and they get it? Yeah. I mean, there's also a lot of expats in Malaysia, too. But the Malay, Malaysians that come to the shows, yeah, very fluent in English. It's a very um, progressive uh, culture. One more question. I, I'm sure you probably heard <laughs> it living in Malaysia, and I'm sorry. I keep, asking, I keep saying one more question. No worries. They ever find that plane, or do they have any idea where that goddamn plane went, man? That's the only thing I know from Malaysia, and I just know yeah. a plane went disappearing, and I think it's aliens. Yeah, I don't know. No, they never found the plane, and uh, you know the other one got shut down, uh, shot down, and uh, I think that put a big sort of uh, stress factor on the airline. I, I heard before I left to come back to the states, I read or heard something that uh, they might go bankrupt, shut down the airline because. Well, if you lose a whole plane full of people, I can't imagine you yeah. staying in business. Yeah, like, not a lot of people are trying to fly Malaysia Airlines. No, did you fly Malaysia Airlines to get to the U.S.? No, but I've flown them quite a bit internally around Asia. You know, uh, we didn't disappear. Yeah, just stay on the <laughs> land. Stay on land or above land. Whenever you go out to sea, they seem to disappear. Uh, right. Ahmed Ahmed joining us on the phone. Catch his special coming out sometime later this year or next. Oriental Pharaoh. He's shooting it in Malaysia. Again, all things Ahmed online. AhmedAhmed.com and on social media, at Ahmed Comedy. Uh, he was the guy that was in Naples, got the 911 called on him for a joke that he told, not even sure what joke, because the guy waited 14 hours to call 911 <laughs> and report it. Hey, Ahmed, I yeah. appreciate you calling. Uh, have any of the big news media reached out to you yet? No, not yet. Um, I have a couple emails out to you know a few uh, media outlets. So we'll see if the story gets picked up. I think we, you know, there should be some awareness around this just to kind of put people at ease and not, you know, take it so seriously. I think people are, are taking, you know, comedians' jokes and, and, 
point of views a little too seriously these days. Yeah, they're not fact, man. We're, we're just a bunch of idiots that like to talk about things and our life experiences. Yeah. We're not yeah, a senator. We're, we're not even that cool. Hey, Ahmed, Ahmed, I appreciate you joining me, man. Safe travels while you finish out the tour here in the U.S. Good luck with the special, man. Uh, you Thank know what? You. I really appreciate you calling in, and good luck, man. I hope everything works out. My pleasure, brother. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Take care. Safe travels. Bye. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Ahmed, Ahmed, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Robcast. If you dug this, subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash robshow. Follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash robshowtv. And fellas, feel free to send those D-pics on social, The Rob Show, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.